The coming weeks and months look to be busy and contentious for lawmakers in Washington. We'll visit with Iowa's senior U.S. Senator, Republican Chuck Grassley, on this edition of Iowa Press. Funding for Iowa Press was provided by Friends, the Iowa PBS Foundation, the Associated General Contractors of Iowa, the public's partner in building Iowa's highway, bridge, and municipal utility infrastructure. Elite Casino Resorts is rooted in Iowa. Elite was founded 30 years ago in Dubuque and owned by 1,200 Iowans from more than 45 counties. With resorts in Riverside, Davenport, and Larchwood, Iowa, Elite is committed to the communities we serve. Across Iowa, hundreds of neighborhood banks strive to serve their communities, provide jobs, and help local businesses. Iowa banks are proud to back the life you build. Learn more at iowabankers.com. For decades, Iowa Press has brought you political leaders and newsmakers from across Iowa and beyond, celebrating 50 years of broadcast excellence on statewide Iowa PBS. This is the Friday, September 15th edition of Iowa Press. Here is Kay Henderson. On this edition of Iowa Press, our guest is a person who served 16 years in the Iowa House of Representatives, followed by six years in the U.S. House of Representatives. He's been a United States Senator representing Iowa since 1981. Senator Chuck Grassley, welcome back to Iowa Press. And thank you for all that history. <laughs> <laughs> also joining our conversation, Brianne Fonnensteel, the chief politics reporter for the Des Moines Register, and Aaron Murphy, the Des Moines Bureau Chief for the Gazette and Cedar Rapids. Senator Grassley, uh, your colleagues in the House have started an, an impeachment inquiry into President Biden. Do you expect President Biden to be impeached? Well, it's too darn early to know anything about that. Uh, but you, I want to emphasize you use the correct terminology, inquiry. It's got nothing to do with a step towards impeachment. It's a process to make sure that we can get information that we've been stonewalled, I should say the House, not we, not the House, to get information that they've been stonewalled by this administration. It seems like the DOJ and the FBI are more interested in stonewalling than being open and helping Congress do its constitutional responsibility. There is one thing about the inquiry that's different than the other process for issuing subpoenas because it's got to be in pursuit of a legislative duty or purpose uh, with most of the work of the Congress. But when you have an impeachment inquiry, that's a constitutional responsibility of the House of Representatives. So it gives a little more force to the attempt by the House of Representatives to get it. And I wouldn't comment on impeachment for the reason that if we go, if the House would do that, I have to be a juror, and I think I should be very much uh, impartial towards uh, that and listen to the evidence. Because that would come to a vote in the Senate, that's what you're talking yeah. about? Yes, right? yes. Thank you, Aaron. Yeah. yeah. And maybe just more broadly, stepping back, do you have any level of concern that impeachment, and again, this is just an inquiry, as you noted at this point, but do you have any level of concern that impeachment is becoming a political tool um, rather than the process no. it was intended to be? I think Pelosi demonstrated that, and I think it'd be nice if we could cut an end to that. 
but I'm not in a position to tell the House of Representatives what to do or make a judgment on until they get done with their inquiry. Well, you kind of are. You're a United States Senator. You can tell the House what you think, right? <laughs> I, I can tell them, but they aren't going to do anything about it. <laughs> Republicans on the presidential campaign trail here in Iowa have been complaining of a two-tiered system of justice. Uh, President Biden's son, Hunter Biden, was just indicted on criminal charges. Does that allay any of those concerns for you? Well, I think it's a sad situation, and you've got to take that into consideration. You don't want to wish that on anybody. On the other hand, uh, it shouldn't be seen as bringing balance to it. There should be balance all the time. There shouldn't be two levels of uh, justice. Uh, that's why the statue over the Supreme Court is blindfolded, because we're going to be looking at the facts and not the personality or the political persuasion of the person. And uh, I think there, I hear that concern all the time from Iowans, but I don't want to see Hunter Biden being uh, charged as he was just because Republicans have been complaining about charges against uh, Trump. That's not the way we should look at it. But I think we've had for eight or so years in the G Department of Justice and the FBI too much political bias. And I think you're going to find more of that as this inquiry moves forward because we haven't talked to the uh, when I say we, in this case, will be the House of Representatives, have not talked to the individual FBI agents that should be following up on these uh, reports that you get and suspicions you get. Uh, they, uh, uh, I, when we interview about 15 or 20 of those, I think you'll find more political bias. That's an assumption on my part. Senator, you have some of your fellow Republicans who have suggested defunding the FBI. You have one presidential candidate who's saying <clears throat> dissolve the FBI. Are Republicans the law and order party still? Uh, anybody that takes that position is stupid for saying it. We've got to have an FBI. And secondly, as Republicans, because you made a good point about Republicans saying this. For the last three or four years, we've been making fun of the Democrats, wanting to defund the police. It's the same thing you can't defund. We don't want to defund the police. You can't defund the FBI. Turning to some pressing <clears throat> Senate business, there's about two weeks that Congress has to get together uh, its spending plans, put together a budget. Are you concerned at all that that may not come together in time to avert a government shutdown? Yeah. Uh, before I answer that question, in regard to Kay's question, I want to follow up and say that obviously things aren't right with the FBI from my point of view, but you don't defund the FBI to make that point. You reform the FBI. Uh, I don't think government's going to shut down. It costs money to shut the government down. It costs money to open up the government. Uh, government's a service to the people of this country. Uh, and you can't be a service if you aren't operating. And uh, not only that, but sometimes, uh, let's say you hear these rumors about shutting down government from a handful of members of Congress because they want to accomplish something. I've heard that before in government shutdown. So you shut it down, 
You want to accomplish what you want to through leverage of shutting down the government, and then you get so much public pressure, you open government up, cost money to open government up, and you still haven't accomplished what you wanted to accomplish. So there ought to be lessons learned from previous shutdowns. And not only that, but Senator Langford spoke to this yesterday at a small group that we had, that he thinks that we ought to have uh, in law something like, I think he explained his idea like this, and I hope if I'm not a co-sponsor of his bill, I should be, but he would say, you don't shut the government down, that you have a process of you extend it for two weeks, and if you don't get it done in those two weeks, another two weeks, but after a month, if you don't get it done, Congress works seven days a week until we get this thing settled. That's, uh, that would take care of no worry about government showdown. So I want to compliment Senator Langford for that. Uh, speaking of votes coming up, the farm bill is being worked on and uh, the current one is being renegotiated. It doesn't look like it's going to get done. Do you have votes to pass a new farm bill or, or, or even extend the current one until the new one can get done? What, farmers always want certainty, right? Are yeah. they going to have that? Yeah. Well, let me answer that question, that point first, before I go into more detail. Uh, if we don't get this done by Christmas, and we should get it done by Christmas, but it doesn't look like that that's going to happen, we're going to have a one-year extension of the existing farm bill, so at least for the next 12 months they'll have certainty. That, that you're confident of, that extension will yeah, get done? Yeah, okay. that's been done before, okay. but the five-year is a better certainty for the farmers, and we all know that. Now, in regard to it, first of all, yesterday, maybe a 10-minute conversation with the chairman of the committee, Senator Stabenow, and on Mon uh, Wednesday, of uh, probably a half-hour meeting with the ranking Republican Boozman. Uh, it seems like there's uh, some things at the highest level for those two to work out that aren't getting settled, and, uh, and uh, they, they deal with money spent on certain programs. And there's a feeling among the agriculture community uh, that we have seen such increase in costs, uh, be fer fertilizer and LP gas and, and everything else that goes into a seed and fertilizer, I guess. It goes into production of crops. Uh, we've seen those costs go up. We have not seen an incremental increase in uh, the, what we call reference pricing to support those uh, farmers if the price goes down too low. And, uh, and, and we've seen other aspects of the farm bill, particularly nutrition, go up. And if uh, we've got to get more money uh, to cover the aspects of it, of uh, the increased costs for farmers. Now, on the other hand, uh, there doesn't seem to be much discussion about the main thing that farmers want us to keep and the farm bill would be crop insurance. Senator, your colleague Mitt Romney from Utah announced this week that he wouldn't run for re-election and he said it was time for a new generation of leadership to be elected. You've made a different decision when making decisions about running for re-election. Why? Well, I think I made that pretty clear on your program when you had a debate for me with my opponent. Uh, there, I, I uh, uh, can serve the people of Iowa, things that haven't been done with my seniority. Uh, Iowa's going to be 
Uh, I'll be number one in the United States Senate as the most senior member of the Senate. I'll be in a position to accomplish things for the people of Iowa and the nation as a whole. And uh, that's why, that's what I announced when I announced for re-election. That's what I said on the PBS uh, uh, debate. And, uh, and I very much like serving the people of Iowa. Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell had an episode recently where he uh, was addressing reporters and, and froze up in front of the cameras, prompting some concerns about his health. Are you confident in his ability to lead the conference moving forward? Yes, and Brian, thank you for that question. And I'd like to throw it back to you this way, uh, kind of the way I answered a similar question for the Washington Press Corps. Uh, right after a meeting with him, they said, well, do you think he can do his job like you just asked me? And I said, if you could, you ought to look at him the same way I look at him. Let's say, I'll give you a specific example. The first thing that happened on July 27th, we were in session yet, nine o'clock that night. I made a point of talking to him. He's the same uh, McConnell. And then I think he made very more clear something that's got more substance to it than my opinion in answering your question. He had the, the, his doctor have consulted with all of the specialists and put out a letter saying that he, he's uh, there, that I don't, I don't want to say nothing wrong, but basically it put a stop to all of the questions that were raised about McConnell. Ambassador Haley, uh, Nikki Haley from South Carolina, one of the many Republican presidential candidates uh, visiting our state these days, has been um, saying on the campaign trail that she believes any elected official, any office holder 75 years or older should have to uh, pass a competency test. Do you agree with Ambassador Haley on that? Well, you get a, you get a competency test every time the people have an election <laughs> and vote for you or against you. And uh, people aren't going to elect Chuck Grassley if they didn't think he was competent to do the job. You think that uh, that ballot is the sufficient for the that that's the competency test? Well, for, first of all, if you're going to put that in place, you'd have to amend the Constitution to do it. The Constitution has four requirements to be a United States senator, and uh, and I don't think the people are going to amend the Constitution to do it. But I think. In a democracy like ours, you rely on the voters, and the voters gave me a 14 or 15 percent margin. I think that speaks for itself better than anything I can say about what Haley, uh, what she's saying. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky is set to make an appearance in Washington, D.C. next week to help shore up support for continued aid to Ukraine. Is that something that you would continue to support monetary aid to Ukraine? As of now, the answer is yes. But I think that in a representative government like we have, you have to always be consulting with the people. I got three and two-tenths million constituents. I think some of them has come up at my town meetings, uh, question it, and, uh, but I think that, uh, that uh, if you believe in the rule of law and if you uh, realize that in, uh, let's see, 1993 there was a Budapest Accord, Russia, United States, 
England, other countries in Europe thought that Ukraine had uh, nuclear weapons. They should give them up. We agreed to that. Russia signed the agreement to respect the sovereignty of Ukraine, and he's not respecting that sovereignty. And if you believe in the rule of law, you got you to gotta enforce it. I'm curious your respective Senator, when we cover <clears throat> events with these presidential candidates, the Iowa Republicans in the room are, are largely in large swaths against ongoing aid for Ukraine. And, and Brianne's uh, outfit has, uh, newspaper has polled on this as well that shows a majority of Republican primary voters are against ongoing aid for Ukraine. How, I'm, I'm just curious how you feel that might be influencing this process and these presidential candidates and how Republicans who feel the same way that you do, and there are many of the candidates who do, can talk to these voters and, and, and well, come together on this topic. I can only say it the way that I would, if you were a constituent at my town meetings, I'd say I'm not, I'm only asking you to consider these things. We're spending billions, but minuscule compared to what we'd be spending if we let Putin go through Ukraine into Poland and it kicked in Article 5 of the NATO agreement, and then we would be spending hundreds of billions of dollars, and the other 29 countries would, to pull together, just like NATO pulled together for the United States on 9-11. The only time Article 5 has ever been uh, instituted was that day when NATO agreed that they were going back to the United States. Now, we didn't need it in the end because we just had that one day of attack. But they, they pulled behind the United States when we needed them, and we ought to be. Uh, we, we, uh, in other words, we, we either got to abide by the NATO agreement or get out of it. And I haven't had Iowans tell me we ought to get out of the NATO agreement. Another military issue for people who may not be familiar, one of your colleagues, Senator Tuberville, has placed a hold on nominations for generals and, and military leadership to advance um, over the abortion issue. At some point, given the fact that the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff is fairly soon going to be exiting, do you and your other Republican colleagues need to intervene so that those advancements, those generals can take their jobs? There's only one person that has to act to get this job done of getting a successor to Milley appointed to the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and that's Schumer. He can bring it up for a vote, and we'll vote on it and get it filled. What about, the other, what about the other openings that haven't been filled because generals are being pre prevented from advancing? I, I believe if we start down this process that if Schumer will move with the first four or five, that'd be the people on the Joint Chiefs of Staff, it would settle pretty quickly. Senator, we just saw a report recently that said child poverty doubled over the last year, and that was uh, in large part due to the um, Congress's decision to not extend the um, increased child tax credit that expired at the end of 2021, then child poverty doubled in 2022. Was that a mistake? Should Congress look at uh, expanding that child tax credit again? You are falling in to accepting 
the Democrat cover-up by using that statistic with what the Biden administration's policies have done to family uh, cost of living, about $7,000 because of the bad policies of the Biden inflation and other tax policies. And, uh, and that's $7,000, minuscule compared to what it's done for child poverty. And remember, poverty went down from 12.4 down to 5.5 because of the child tax credit. And, uh, and uh, the fact that it didn't have a work requirement is the only reason it wasn't continued. Uh, because you don't want to encourage people not to be in the workforce. There should, be not a, there should not be a government policy discouraging work because you gotta be in the workforce if you're ever gonna get out of poverty. And uh, so consequently, it was that uh, help that made the difference. And you can't have one tax policy being the deciding factor whether or not you're gonna have child poverty. So where is child poverty today? Back where it was pre-pandemic. So this was done because of the pandemic. So things that are done because of the pandemic and once the pandemic's over, and that's May 11th of this year, then you go back to what the policy was before that. Just common sense. But see, the administration had this news conference to emphasize child poverty because they don't want to be talking about their bad economic policies that have increased forever. Even if cost of living gets down to 2%, the cost of living to you as a family is still going to be 70 $7,000 every year into the future. Is this, is, is this not maybe a, a walk and chew gum at the same time question? Could we not keep trying to address inflation and yeah. also look at this yeah. tax credit and the yeah. impact it had and sure. say that maybe it's sure. a good thing? Have a work requirement with it and we'll probably be able to get something done in that area. Speaking of tax policy, sweeping Trump-era tax cuts are set to expire in 2025. Um, what, what should follow that if, if Republicans okay. remain in control? Well, yesterday it happened that in one of the financial papers of the United States, there was a story about that kind of surprised me, that it looks like that uh, Republicans obviously want to extend this, just as is beyond 2025. And the, and the supposition is the Democrats don't want to raise taxes on the middle class, and so they're going to go along with that. And r right now there's not much discussion of that, but evidently somebody's been talking to members of Congress or the administration come to that conclusion because they even implied that Biden might be in that direction. The only thing I think that maybe you might end up having in conjunction with that if the Democrats would be controlling the Congress, you might have some increase in taxes on higher income people than's in the, in the existing legislation. But as it affects the middle class, uh, and they always said, see the Democrats in 2017 said, this is always a tax cut for the rich. Well, they're acknowledging now that it was a tax cut for the middle class because the Democrats don't want to increase taxes on the middle class, and that would happen without even a vote of Congress if we don't act. Senator, you voted against the Inflation Reduction Act. It included some 
new federal tax credits that are spurring development and potential operation of carbon capture pipelines. If Republicans win the White House and Congress, will they do away with those tax credits or retain them? There's no way I could answer that question. There's speculation. I would do you only, think it's a good idea? Uh, I would only say this, that I had this same question in my town meetings uh, this year, in a few of them, and uh, I said uh, it's not, uh, they, uh, the question kind of came like doing away with that right now, and I said we probably won't have any tax policy discussions until 2025. Uh, because when you put a tax bill together in the United States Senate, you put together a package that's going to have enough support to get 60 votes in the United States Senate. So it will come up at that time, but not till then, and there's no way I could speculate on whether or not that will come up or not. About half a minute left, one more issue. The President uh, Biden administration just announced a list of 10 prescription drugs that they plan to begin negotiating the prices with with Medicare. Is that a good idea? Uh, you use the word negotiation, they use the word negotiation. Government doesn't negotiate, government dictates. And uh, I'm fearful that, uh, that it's going to uh, bring in uh, less money for research on miracle drugs and CBO and outside groups and even some companies when that bill was passed a year ago uh, stopped uh, uh, certain research that they were doing and I want miracle drugs to be created. Uh, prescription drugs are too high and I've got four bills in that will reduce prescription drug prices and particularly I support a $35 cap on uh, insulin but I want, uh, I want money available for the development of miracle drugs. Senator, I have to cap off this discussion. Okay. Thank you for joining us today on this edition of Iowa Press. You bet, thank you. You can watch every episode of Iowa Press online at iowapbs.org. For everyone here at Iowa PBS, thanks for joining us. Funding for Iowa Press was provided by Friends, the Iowa PBS Foundation. The Associated General Contractors of Iowa, the public's partner in building Iowa's highway, bridge, and municipal utility infrastructure. Elite Casino Resorts is rooted in Iowa. Elite's 1,600 employees are our company's greatest asset. A family-run business, Elite supports volunteerism, encourages promotions from within, and shares profits with our employees. Across Iowa, Hundreds of neighborhood banks strive to serve their communities, provide jobs, and help local businesses. Iowa banks are proud to back the life you build. Learn more at iowabankers.com.